All information contained in this podcast is general in nature and does not consider your individual circumstances. You should consider the appropriateness of this information with regards to your individual objectives, financial situation and needs. Welcome to Sharing More Than The Sheets, a podcast to help you and your partner make better financial and lifestyle decisions so that you can both focus on the things that you love. I'm your host, Michael Curry, financial planner, green thumb, husband, and just dad. Self-managed super funds. Setting up a super fund and using it to buy an asset, for example, a house. In the last five, 10 years, these have become very popular. And I've had a lot of clients approach me about setting up an account, setting up a super fund and using it to buy an asset like a house. Because to many, it's appealing having their super in something that they can touch and feel. But today we're discussing the ins and outs of a self-managed super fund and how they work, some of the pitfalls, some of the advantages, and I guess a few strategies where a self-managed super fund can come in handy. With me, I have Sebastian Mazza. Um, Sebastian is the principal advisor at the Wealth Depot. Personally, I'm licensed to give advice on self-managed super funds, um, but I prefer to work with Sebastian because self-managed super funds are one of his specialties. This is what he, one of the things he does best. Um, and for that reason, I prefer to work with people such as Sebastian. And Sebastian, thank you so much for being with us today. Well, thank you, Michael, for, for having me join you today to discuss all things self-managed super funds. Um, yeah. As you said in your intro there, it is definitely becoming um, a bit of a, a new hope for, for those that want to take better control and be more engaged with their retirement savings. And as you said, um, the, the ability for self-managed super funds to own direct property, uh, be it a residential property or, or a commercial property, um, have made them very appealing um, over the last few years. And when they introduced um, the ability for self-managed funds to borrow uh, back in 2007, um, obviously there's been a you know, massive, massive, significant uh, increase in their in their appeal for for those that, be it self-employed, be it around um, wanting to ensure that within their retirement plan um, there was a an element of, of property. And like you said, us as Aussies love property because it's tangible. Um, we get it, we understand it. Um, so yeah, so here we are. Yeah, and if we could sort of start off just talking about what is a self-managed super fund, I guess. Sure. Because I guess, again, clients will come to me and they'll say to me, oh, I heard I can set up buy a house with my super. Yeah. And I'll be like, okay, okay, let's start from the beginning, you know? And if you, so if you sort of just give everyone a bit of a breakdown, many, especially to those that have never heard of a self-managed super fund as to of course. what they are, how they work. All right, so a self-managed super fund is a superannuation fund like every other, okay? But it has its own... Uh, particular rules um, it's, it's allowed to do certain things that um, industry or retail funds are, aren't able to do such as buy direct property um, a self-managed super fund requires um, an element of of trustee and a member relationship so clients will see themselves pretty much being in the same uh, being those dual roles so a, a super fund is basically a trust the assets are held in trust for the benefit of the members at retirement and the the trust is managed by the trustees on behalf of the members so it's a you know custodial sort of um, relationship um, the trustee uh, powers and their obligations and responsibilities are are significant and uh, are definitely nothing to be sniffed at um, ASIC ATO um, are very much um, on the lookout for those trustees that aren't 
really um, abiding by the, the 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 laws and the regulations that surround superannuation in general. Um, so a self-managed fund allows members to have direct control of their reti- retirement savings to um, put in place uh, a tailored investment strategy that uh, aligns to their risk profile, their objectives, um, and so forth. So in essence, industry super funds, retail super funds, and self-managed funds can essentially do the same thing. But self-managed funds yeah, have their own uh, governing rules that allow them to potentially do those little bit extra things like buy property or um, invest in related entities um, and, and so forth. So far more flexibility around that investment strategy piece. Yeah, and you can have more than one member. Absolutely. So currently, self-managed funds can have four members, but there is um, uh, legislation um, sitting in parliament at the moment to increase that to six members. Um, so, and members don't have to be related either; they can be unrelated. It's not necessarily the way we like to probably set up super funds. Um, just to that additional layers of risk and and you know governance mm-hmm. that, that need to be considered, um, exit strategies and so forth, but. But self-managed funds, yeah, can be um, can be set up, you know, between siblings, uh, work colleagues, uh, business partners, or obviously, you know, your your immediate family, so your wife, your, your children. Yeah, and and I guess as a financial advisor, um, our responsibility is to make sure that you know self-managed super fund is um, appropriate to someone's circumstance and. We've got a checklist. Absolutely, uh, absolutely. I think there's like a hundred things for us to tick off. But if you could just explain a couple of the main requirements that well, um, are probably you could say you know at the form at the top of the list, top I of guess, list. of yeah. the hundred things that we need to check off. Yeah, you're right there, Michael. I mean, it's such a it's usually a compliant area. Um, you know, the, the regulators, uh, you know, have their eye on this on the sector of superannuation um, uh, closely because unfortunately, there's there's as as there's opportunities, um, there's also loopholes and and you know, people try and push those barriers. So, so when we're sitting with clients and 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 also considering whether a self managed super fund is appropriate, we're looking at things like um, initial account balances. Um, you know, we're looking for ideally for account balances say over two hundred fifty thousand, because at that point there's a there's a sort of um, a crossover between you know the fees that that is required to set up a fund and to manage a mm-hmm. fund, and they're sort of commensurate with you know, industry super funds and retail funds. So we're looking at that sort of starting balance. We're looking at looking for the trustees and the members per se to have some conviction around why they want a self-managed, self-managed super fund. Um, you know, if you're just going to mirror exactly what you have in a current uh, industry fund, then there doesn't seem to be a, a lot of, um, you know, reason to do that. There's, there's literally, it, it requires a lot more attention, um, a lot more hours spent on, um, on, the, on the compliance side of things. Thus, maybe, you know, the idea of having a self-managed fund might be romantic, but the actual, you know, running of, of, of it and, and ensuring that you, uh, you know, stay, stay up to date with, with your financial reporting and, and investment strategy reviews um, and so forth, that, um, that it becomes, you know, a, a bit of a, a burden. We're looking for things around age of the members in terms of a self-managed fund for someone probably as a pre-retiree or retiree is a great vehicle to be using for accumulators. Um, it's not that it's not a great vehicle; it's that again, it's it's the time and, and process um, that it takes. So we're looking always to in, in, under, make sure our clients understand um, what is it they're about to embark on. Uh, it is a responsibility, I guess, because if somebody in their like in their twenties or thirties yeah. sets a self-managed super fund up, that's in a way that's at least two, three, if not more, decades that they need to be able to 
in a way commit to managing that's that right. self-management. That's correct. Okay. So it can't, it's not a set and forget type of structure. Say, for example, like a trust might be, a family trust, where you set up, got your deed, and then away you go. Um, self-management funds require deed to be reviewed, at, you know, generally every three years at least or when there's significant changes to the legislation yes. or even the even the actual construct of the super fund itself. Obviously, there's the laws are changing, you know, annually. Um, it, you know, we were lucky this year in the budget that self-management funds were, were, were sort of left alone. Um, there were some, yeah, I was surprised actually. Yeah, there were some one. tinkering with super generally, but, but self-management funds were, were left alone. But, you know, we saw back in 2017 a whole wrath of reforms come through. And it did actually change, um, you know, the landscape um, quite quite significantly back back then. You know, we're looking for we're looking for we're looking for you know having a clear investment strategy. So that's where we want to ensure that you just don't go from a diversified, well structured um, portfolio of assets, say being run out of an industry fund, to then sitting in cash in your super fund mm. because you mm. you undecided what you want to do. That's that's definitely a bit of a red flag. Um, we want clients to to have that you know, conviction, that engagement around. Okay, yeah, I want to do this because I because I have you know these objectives, or I feel that in the investment climate and in, in, in economic climate that we're expect, uh, experiencing at the moment, that you know I would like to see my assets, my retirement assets, invested in this in this asset class or or these asset classes. And what type of assets can super actually be invested in? So generally. Anything that you can think of, um, you know, we've got the standard property, direct securities or shares, both domestic and global. Um, got your bond markets, your corporate securities, but then it's where self-managed funds can actually diversify a lot. They can actually look at things like um, collectibles, um, antiques. Like I said, you can invest in um, startup businesses. You can invest in uh, related entities. So that's where maybe for self-employed. Um, a self-managed fund can invest a restricted amount of capital uh, to your business, obviously direct property, so um, holding a residential uh, property um, and, or a commercial property. It can also be involved in... And on, and on that note as well, sorry to... That's fine. Just, just to, on that note with regards to property, yes. a question I get asked a lot is, can I you know, buy property and mm-hmm. live in it or rent it out to my cousin, for example? The, the short answer is no. Self-managed funds are restricted... Um, in in um, in law to um, buying residential property from what we call related parties. So that could be the member itself or the member's um, partner, the member's uh, extended family, and thus yeah, the answer is um, a resounding no. It does seem a little bit uh, um, counterproductive because sometimes um, clients can hold um, great residential property and you know, by, by transferring that property to a self-managed super fund, obviously they can even potentially improve their retirement savings, you know, mm. um, through better yield and and and, and obviously superannuation um, as a tax construct um, pays tax at a lower rate than than the marginal tax rate and corporate tax rate. Um, yes. Thus, it, it does it does seem a little bit weird, I guess, for for the um, the average punter that why can't we you know transfer a great property into a self-managed fund? But I guess it's all it, the these laws are being put in place to protect those that that need it most, um, yes. and and thus you know from uh, you know, unscrupulous sort of you know uh, property developers and so forth that you know are trying to prey on the on the I guess the less informed. Um, yes, definitely a self managed fund can buy a, a residential property from a third party. It can also buy a residential property in very um, uh, from a related from a related party in in certain circumstances. 
if that property, that residential property, right, is wholly and, and exclusively used for business purposes, then it's what we call business rural property. Mm. And a self-managed fund can then buy that property from a related party, okay? But it does does take a, you know, a particular set of circumstance and I'll see a lot of, you know, analysis around the compliance um, to ensure that that is the case. Um, yes. But with commercial property, so business rural property, um, yeah, you know, a business owner who's looking to either buy a property to provide greater security around their business, um, better asset protection, a self-managed fund can be a great, um, a great vehicle to be using uh, in that res- in that respect. These podcasts have been brought to you by Better Financial Planning Australia. To book a free fifteen-minute phone chat, visit betterfinancialplanning.com.au. And 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 also, just before we get into some of the, I guess some of the things to to be aware of, mm-hmm. to be aware of, and some of the responsibilities of having an SMSF, yes. if we can sort of yeah. touch on, I guess, the advantages. Um, okay. to, to me, the main advantage is probably the fact that you have more control yeah. over where your super is invested. Um, I mean, even though you can with a lot of standard, you know, retail super funds, but SMSF sort of gives you that next level of control, like what you said, collectibles, property, et cetera. But if That's you can right. sort of touch on a few of the other advantages, because you did touch, you did mention asset protection there as well. Yeah, so... For for our um, our self employed or in business owners, that that's a you know asset protection is very high on, on the list of of you know desires. Um, you know traditionally that might be you know placing business assets and, and and property in separate structures to the trading entity, thus creating a separation there. Self managed funds um, or the assets of self managed funds basically can't cannot be attacked by creditors. Um, so, such as if, if the same property was held outside, thus it becomes this yeah creates this great barrier um, that allows self-employed persons to have a bit more you know confidence in 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 their everyday going going about in, in their business. So that's a big advantage. One of the of asset mm-hmm. protection. Big, other big advantages include things around um, cash flow and taxation. So when you when you pay a contribution into a in, industry fund or retail fund. The minute that money lands into that account, that trustee has already basically swiped your account of the 15% contributions tax or income tax that super funds pay at 15%. Yep. Inside a self-managed fund, that liquidity can stay, I guess, in the in the in the control of the trustee until such time as when the actual uh, financial and tax return is, is actually due for lodgement. Thus, trustees have a bit more yeah, liquidity to play with. Um, and sometimes that that can be a, a quite a big uh, advantage, depending on, on the investment strategy that, that's being played out inside the fund. Yes. Um, we've got things around um, yeah contribution planning and pension withdrawals in general. So contributions, you know, they can be done potentially lump sum at the end of the financial year, and because it's going from say someone's personal bank account over to their self-managed fund. We sort of um, really relieved a little bit of those sort of um, the, the the timing. Like sometimes with industry funds, you know, they're asking for contributions to be paid a week or, or even more sometimes, you know, before the end of the financial year. So there's a bit more flexibility around that. Um, self-managed funds can accept things like promissory notes as contributions. Um, so it creates, um, again, another whole raft of ideas and strategies around around getting um, funds into in, like cash into the fun, into the funds. From a pension point of view, um, there's a bit more flexibility around that. You're not sort of, um, you know, uh, the minimums and, and so forth and maximums if, if you're, if you're um, 
paying a, a transition to retirement income stream, there's a bit more flexibility around when those withdrawals can be made. Uh, generally, self-managed fund within its governing rules, so its deed uh, provides yeah, uh, more options, I guess, around when those payments need to be made. It could be annually, it could be monthly. It's it's it, it's sort of um, a bit a bit more open-ended. So again, yeah. again, creates a bit more flexibility around those things. Okay, so I, I guess the the main message is probably control um, and is. estate planning, as you said, um, estate planning, asset one. protection, yep, and the the tax side of things as yep, well. Exactly. Yeah, um, but you know, I guess the, the, the more and more we talk about SMSF, um, the more the message that I explain to clients and that you obviously explain to clients all the time resonates, which is the fact that you know everyone's circumstance is completely different, and that's where it helps to get proper financial advice or even Correct. just to have a you know a fifteen minute chat, um, just about these things, or even. I mean, to be honest with you, probably listening to this episode will probably be enough in some ways, but it is better to get that one-on-one, you know, interaction to get an idea as to whether it suits someone's situation. Because like what you said, I guess it depends on what that person's trying to achieve and what their goals are. That's right. Um, Obviously, setting up a self-management fund does require, because superannuation um, is a financial product, Uh, self-management funds come under that that regime of, of, of... those that are, I guess, promoting or advising on self-managed super funds that need to be uh, licensed. Thus, um, as as financial advisors, um, you know, we have that capacity to provide that advice. Um, obviously, uh, you know, real estate agents, mortgage brokers, um, um, accountants per se may not have the correct licensing to be obviously provide that advice. So it's important that yeah, clients do sit in front of a, a licensed advisor to really understand what's going to be in their best interest. And also free from conflicts of interest. Yeah, so probably listening to this podcast today, or you know, jumping on the ATO website um, has they have some great um, material available around you know setting up super funds, what it really entails, the obligations and responsibilities. Um, but yeah, getting that initial advice around okay, well, could this be something that we can consider and appropriate for us? And then if you move past in that point, is then getting that correct advice. So we then you know do the advice around you know. Exactly, matching your goals and objectives to to the strategy, making sure that on on replacing your your superannuation accounts, that that's done in, in a you know, carefully and considered manner. So there's things like life insurance to consider, estate planning to consider, um, and and so and the actual investment strategy. So it does take a fair bit of investment upfront when you're setting up a self managed fund. So definitely going into it thinking you know, you can just set it up on the whim. Or without investing your time and, and also you know yep. money to ensure that the structure is correctly established uh, and that um, you're getting that proper advice. Yeah. So, so really, don't take the advice of your mate Jeff no. that uh, told you about an SMSF on the weekend at a barbecue. Basically, no, exactly. For so. Jeff, for Jeff, it might be appropriate, and might, he might have received the correct advice. And That's he, it. And because he now feels empowered and, and far more engaged in the process, he might feel that he's got the the capacity to also talk about it, which is great. But definitely, yeah, if you're looking at setting a self-managed fund up, yeah, please get in contact with, with Michael or, or myself and we'll make sure that you're on the right right journey. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And and I wanted to touch on the responsibilities of having an SMSF um, yep. um, and I guess some of the risks in a way, just to sort of, okay. again, not to be all doom and gloom about no. an SMSF, but just to sort of make people aware of, no, that's right. I guess, some of the risks and responsibilities that come with having one, yeah. even though you did touch on some of them earlier. Yeah, so... so- like I, like I did mention, um, a self-managed fund is, is not a set-and-forget type of structure. It, it, it requires um, annual and, uh, you know, ongoing management. So annually, um, the trustees are responsible um, for preparing and auditing the financial statements of the fund. 
preparing the tax return and lodging the tax return within the required uh, lodgement dates. Fail to do those things, um, which are pretty much, you know, SMSF 101, can see the fund lose its registration and become non-complying. Uh, and there's massive tax penalties around that and, also, and just general penalties, okay? And if there, if there are individual trustees, um, those individual trustees are, are penalised um, severally, okay? So they, they each re- could receive a fine up to $13,000, so up to $26,000 if, if you have two, two members or two individual trustees. Um, in that regard, we always like to see our self-managed fund set up with a corporate trustee, not to get into the, into the you know, the sort of nitty-gritty of it, but yeah, having the correct structure in place protects our clients from, from you know, uh, unfortunate mishaps potentially. Yeah, um, and I guess that's, and that's a big part of getting advice as well. That's because right. With both, I'm sure, I don't know about yourself, but I've come across a few SMSFs in the past that were just set up, just not good. Like, no. They could have been done so much better. Yeah, and, and generally, you know, they will be set up with individual trustees to reduce the initial um, cost up front, but most likely the clients weren't aware of the alternative, which is a corporate trustee, or to understand really the differences between the two. Okay, all right. So that's sort of yeah, having a bad, badly worded trustee. As well, well. It, that's right. A deed that you know maybe has um, not the same um, investment strategy capacities. Yeah. So we're looking at things like yeah, the reporting function. We're looking at also trustees must review, and um, I guess the ATO's point of view is regularly prepare an investment strategy that looks forward that looks say so the trustees are taking that time to look at okay where are we currently at and where do we see things in 12 months time and to make make um you know uh, documented decisions around how they see the their the members funds being invested okay industry super funds retail super funds you know do this day in day out it's part of their role as trustees of a self-managed super fund they have the same responsibility to the members so, uh, an annually produced and, and considered investment strategy where life insurance and estate planning uh, should be considered as, as well. doesn't mean that you need to have life insurance, um, but it needs to be considered and documented as to the reasons why or why not it actually wasn't um, put in place. So, that's another big one. Uh, like I said, updating the deed. When, when you actually set up a self-managed super fund, the HO require trustees to sign uh, basically, a declaration that they understand their obligations, that they understand their responsibilities, that they understand that they need to keep their deed aligned to the legislation. We see a lot of lot of lot of um, old deeds that were, you know, set up 10, 12, 20 years ago that have never been updated. That is basically in contradiction to a trustee's obligations um, because over that twenty years, laws have changed um, and quite considerably. Like I mentioned back in two thousand seventeen. Thus, failure to keep your deed up to date, um, you know, is another is another contravention of the, of the rules. So even little things like that, you know, that's where the risks are. And a few of the other ones that come to mind as well to me is when someone, for example, does set up a self managed super fund, yeah. um, and let's say their returns are three percent a year. Um, there's that opportunity cost if they potentially could have left it in a different fund that could have that's potentially. Right been getting them an extra one, two, three, if not more percent per year. That's correct. Know? So that's where you need that. There needs to be some and real that's conviction. That's proper advice comes Exactly, through. around that investment strategy and, and understanding the opportunity costs. You know, obviously, the risks, so we're talking about market risk and liquidity risk around, you know, like, like you know, if we just say buying, okay, we've got someone that wants to buy a property, they're going to use a lot of their funds to potentially, you know, put down to the deposit. And if they need to borrow, you know, borrow, um, to, to actually purchase that property. That property most likely will be a significant um, asset of the fund. 
So things around liquidity and concentration risk and all those type of things and market risk generally in the property game need to be considered. Um, and 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 all that means is that you need to have plan A and plan B available yeah. and ready to go. All right. And advice. Because, exactly. Yeah, because I guess I've seen some of the SMSFs, SMSFs I've seen over the years that have been set up with poor advice, mm-hmm. um, or I would say with advice, probably with no advice sometimes. Sometimes someone's literally just asked their accountant to set it up for them and That's they right. did it. Yeah. I don't think that would happen in today's climate, but it's happened in the past, I'm yes. sure. Um, you know, it would be set up with no proper strategy from an advisor. And the issue with that is literally what you just said, liquidity risk, where, you know, because when you put advice together, when we put advice together, yep. we show clients projections. That's right. You know, we look at over the next, you know, one, two, three decades sometimes if we have to, well, just to yep. sort of make sure that there's always going to be enough money there and that the fund will always be able to function and that it's going to serve the needs of the client, right. the person setting it up. So we're looking at, yeah, looking around that, just, just around that, you know, we're looking at, you know, what has been, you know, the member's contribution history and, you know, around, you know, what's what's the, what's their current circumstance. Um, you know, are they in a, in a, you know, stable, secure job? How's their business going? Um, you know, especially if we're doing things like, Using a borrowing strategy inside your super fund, these things become even more um, heightened because mm. should you lose your job or the business fail, how's that fund going to going to be able to actually you know provide repayments on the loan? Thus, the whole strategy yeah. could just you know fall apart very quickly. Yeah. Uh, even other things like you know personal circumstance around um, relationship breakdowns and so forth, uh, or, or when a member loses um, incapacity, these things need to be considered up front, not on the fly. You know, that's that's why you do get advice because we do bring these things to the fore. We have a chat about these things. We document, you know, what the what the plan may be. Um, thus, thus creates a bit more clarity, a lot more confidence, and and a bit of a plan, you know, action action plan. So, so things not go to plan A. Having a self managed fund, um, you do the gravity of the of the responsibility and the risks obviously are there. Um, like, you know, you don't have any um, access to. Uh, compensation scheme. So if, if something goes awry, it is the trustee that is personally liable. Um, mm. You know, obviously not to put um, advisors in, into into the hot water, but you know, if advice um, that's been provided is um, you know negligent, um, then then you know that's really the only recourse, and that that's obviously you know a lot of legal action there, a lot of lot of court process, and a lot of you know time and and obviously. Uh, emotional inv- uh, investment in, in that in that um, in that you know journey, so it's important that you know trustees and, and, and members understand that you don't have the same protections that you you are making decisions um, you know for yourself, hopefully with guidance from from you know from your advisor that's going to look at things holistically for you, and that uh, yeah there is always a plan 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 B in place um, that provides that you know confidence that this particular plan is is going to work out. That's it. And I think just just in summary, I think a lot of what we've spoken about really just enforces the fact that if you get proper advice and if you get good advice, and a self-managed super fund can really suit someone's circumstance. And it can actually, it's, it's a tool, it's a vehicle that can be really used to its full advantage. And that everyone's situation is different, as, as I've said numerous times, um, in that getting that advice can really, really make sure that an SMSF actually works for someone and that they get the full benefit of it. Thank you so much for your time, Sebastian. I really appreciate it. Um, I know that uh, this episode would clear up a lot of the questions that I get asked a lot, and I'm sure you get asked a lot as well. 
one last thing. Um, yeah. Do you want to leave? Do you want to finish off with any final points before we close off? I, I think just to again reiterate that get good advice. Um, you know, there is plenty of uh, help out there and guidance. Take your time to carefully consider whether a supplement fund is, is correct for you. And the day is that, yeah, like you said, Michael, it is a, an amazing vehicle to help grow and and uh, nurture your retirement savings. Um, and yeah, I'm definitely a hundred percent believer in in, in self management funds. And like I said, they might not be right for everybody, but if if uh, if there's the right circumstance, um, then yeah, check it out. Beautiful. And just to finish off with a dad joke, over all my episodes, uh, this wouldn't be a sharing more than the sheets episode without a dad joke right at the end. Um, a, t- <laughs> a termite walks into a bar and asks, is the bartender here? <laughs> they keep getting better and better, I've mate. Got, I know, I've got so many here, but I'm just trying to save them. It's okay. Yeah, you're building, up the, you're building them up. <laughs> building them up. <laughs> thank you so much for your time again. Michael, thank you. I appreciate, appreciate the opportunity and uh, yeah, we'll talk soon. Thanks for joining us on Sharing More Than The Sheets. Please make sure you subscribe to be updated with future episode releases. Please visit us at sharingmorethanthesheets.com.au to submit questions or requests for future podcast topics. These podcasts have been brought to you by Better Financial Planning Australia. To book a 15-minute phone chat, visit betterfinancialplanning.com.au.